0: Welcome to Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders and more. Welcome to Music Matters, a podcast series about all things music. Today's special guest is Billy Amendola, longtime editor at large for Modern Drummer magazine, a well-known music publication featuring drummers and percussionists from around the globe. Prior to joining Modern Drummer, Billy was a very busy session and live touring drummer based out of Brooklyn, New York.
1: Hey, Billy, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Dal? Nice to see you. So, you're uh, are you in Brooklyn? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, born and yeah. raised.
0: Yeah. So how is uh, being, you know, so many actually great musicians that have come out of Brooklyn. There must be something in the water or in the pizza. I don't know. What's what's the.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's um, it's, a, it's it's a funny thing. I mean, Brooklyn was always like Brooklyn was cool. Then for a while, Brooklyn got, kind of got like a bad rap and then uh, Brooklyn became cool again. Now it's actually. <laughs> More expensive to live here in Brooklyn than in Manhattan. And I know it's funny how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, so I'm happy that I, you know, I lived in the city at one time, but you know, I I got that out of my system. So um, I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy. uh, You know where 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 I am.
0: So uh, tell me about your beginnings. I know. um, I think you had a father that was a musician, right?
1: Well, uh, my dad played uh, trombone in the the Navy in the in the big band. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And then I used to tease him all the time because he, you know, he kind of gave it up when he met my mom and got married and had a family. And then he kind of put music. He always loved music. I mean, that was a big part of me being uh, what I am today as far as music, Um, besides him being an unbelievable dad. um, Yeah. He was very, very supportive of me and, and my music. So that was a big help. But yeah, he stopped playing, um, after a little bit after he got out of the navy he always used to tell this story about one of my mom's brother my uncle standing on the uh, fire escape and went like went like that with the trombone thing and it went flying off and and <laughs> and, and, and and that was the last time i think he ever and my uncle thought he was going my you know my father was older you know he was my mother's uh, he was dating my mom his little uh, her little brother and he, you know, there goes this trombone out the window. So he thought he thought <laughs> my, my father was going to go berserk. And my father was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to use it anymore anyway. Who cares?
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, like, and your dad has an interesting story too, because he was actually, uh, came straight from Italy, right? He was an Im- immigrant.
1: And yeah, seven years old, he came here with his two brothers and uh, wow. my grandfather, his father. And uh, that's a crazy story because my grandmother was supposed to come, but she never did. And then she started a whole nother family in Italy. Um, which to this day I have, uh, you know, three uh, aunts that that I got to know later in life who uh, that I love. And uh, unfortunately, one one had passed away. But uh, yeah, he came here in uh, seven years old and he didn't even have a slight, slight accent. He didn't even have a Brooklyn accent, believe it or not. So nobody, you know, really. uh, And he didn't have much schooling so um he, he had a great American
0: hard, story, right
1: yeah he had, a, he had he had a pretty hard life. He did what most immigrants do. They come to this country, work their ass off, and um you know he became successful and but only only thing unfortunately is uh, God took him a little too soon
0: hmm. yeah that's I mean that's an amazing story that's something we often forget here about people like coming here with nothing and building making something out of nothing. That takes a lot of courage. And, and I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot from him. His work ethic must've been tremendous.
1: Oh yeah. I have my work. If I were to listen to a quarter of what he used to advice, he would give me as far as uh, you know, the future and work. Um, you know, I, I, I'm happy and I have no regrets of where I am in life, but I would have probably been a lot smarter and, and not had to go through so many obstacles to get here.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably true of all of us. <laughs> we have people, yeah. mentor, I mean, mentors all along the way.
1: I, yeah. I go through that with my son now. And, you know, anybody who has children can understand that, you know, you get to a point where they, you know, they, they want to do it their way, which is great because that's how we all did it. Like you said, you know, that's we, we all do that. And that's how you learn your mistakes. And, yeah. you know, but but sometimes, you know, you want to try to help somebody avoid certain mistakes, but sometimes it's a different situation. Everyone's different. So, there's, yeah, you sometimes know,
0: you have to you have to make him to really learn the lesson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a, yeah, that's not always learn. fun, <laughs> right? Because there's been a couple of times where you know I've gave advice to my son and he said, "No, Dad, no way." And then you know I was like, "Oh, he's going to blow that deal." And then he got a better <laughs> deal than than I would have imagined. So you know, it goes both ways.
0: Yeah, you know what? You never know. And I, I mean, that's great that it's all you can do is you know, sort of teach him like your father did and get lead by a great example. And uh, and I think that that's so important for for young people to, to kind of pay attention, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is, you know, um, back, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, most families, uh, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, you know, most families stayed together. You know, right. uh, the, the generation now, and the generation before, it's, it's very common to only have one parent and exactly. go back and forth and have step parents and you know and there's nothing wrong with that sometimes it's, it, it can really work out well for for, for, for people but you know there's some problems with you know that, that they have to face and challenges that they have to go through for that as well so yeah. i'm fortunate that both my parents were very very supportive of me as you know wanting to be a musician and you know seeing yeah. the beatles on ed sullivan you know they watched the beatles with me that night and they saw that excitement at seven years old and I think they kind of got the picture that there's no stopping me. This is what I I want to do, and this yeah. is what I'm going to try to do.
0: So that yeah, let's talk about the Beatles. So that I mean, people have often said like, so that was 1964, right, when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan.
1: Yeah, that and was, it's interesting
0: because uh, that that is a very common thread through so many musicians' stories of, of our generation, I guess. So so tell me what 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 that how did that capture your imagination, especially with Ringo and the drumming and.
1: Well, you know, it, the Beatles just had. You know, people are still trying to figure out what the sensation with the with the Beatles are. I mean, it, obviously, it's just the music. It, you know, it, it it was so good that it, it it still stands the you know the test of time. But right. back then, you know, of course, as history goes, you know, we just came out of uh, President Kennedy being assassinated, which was you know the first time I. I remember getting under my desk in school, um, you know, because uh, and praying for President Kennedy. And, you know, it was the first time I ever heard of somebody being assassinated and what kind of what it meant or whatever. And then, you know, the Beatles came along and they just lit everybody's light. You know, they, they, they were the shining star. And they had no idea what was going to happen. You can't plan something like that. You know, you could say you, you're going to be the greatest band in the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, And then um, when it happens, it's like, wow, <laughs> how do we? Yeah, do and it we just it,
1: there? It, 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 it was a short period of time. So m- me being seven years old, like like most, I, I I believe you're a lot younger than I am. But my generation, once the Beatles came on and, and people saw. The different look and, and just the sensationalism that was going on on Ed Sullivan. It was one of, you know, no crime that night. A whole, you know, the history making uh, records broken. It, it just sparked inspiration into anybody who loved music and wanted to play music because then you just automatically became a fan. And then, of course, the promo machine went into work. Not knowing that it's a promo machine, but it's a promo (laughs) machine and and radio back then. I mean, if you were played on the radio, that was, you know, that that was the biggest, greatest thing that that could be ever. You know,
0: people forget like now we have all these TV stations. But back then everybody was watching Ed Sullivan. Right. There was like everybody in the country.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sunday night. I I know, especially in growing up in Italian family Sunday night, you were at grandma and grandpa's with all your cousins (laughs) and and your aunts and everybody. And then either you left before Ed Sullivan and Bonanza or you stayed and left (laughs) after. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But the Beatles, I mean, to this day, you know, Ringo was doing things that, you know, really he it took years for him to get the credit um and the recognition of, of he did you know and she loves you i you know i said it from day one no he's playing a punk rock beat it's basically it's a punk rock beat you know he's playing on nobody saw somebody playing on a floor tom using a floor tom as a hi-hat and right. before before everyone knew he was left-handed and he was smashing the cymbal with his with his left hand it just looked cool visually and no one ever saw it and he was already playing match grip which a lot of guys weren't. So all right. these things subconsciously, they're, they're all going on in your head. You're seeing hey, I kind of like, hit, hearing... hit all the buttons, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're seeing and hearing things that you're, you're experiencing for the first time. And it was, it was, it was just, it was just magical. I mean, there's just, you know, it's been studied and, you know, it, it'll go down in history, but yeah, that's what sparked uh, me and, and so many people to want to be a musician. I wanted to be a different Beatle every day you know, and then I just, <laughs> drums yeah. just became, uh, came, just became my thing. You know, I just, I started getting into, you know, other drummers and playing along to records that, you know, when I was growing up, that was the big thing. You played along to the yeah. record.
0: And your dad um, being, because he obviously had musical training, he was pretty insistent on you studying, right? How, how did that, how did that yeah, go over it, when you first started? It was, <laughs>
1: it was, it, yeah, it was, it was the typical thing. He wanted to teach me to play trombone when I got a little older and, I I never liked the way it made my lip feel because it always used to make my lip feel like my lip was swollen and it was I was like 14, 15 years old so I was just starting to get into you know girls and
0: exactly I was gonna say yeah that's not really the big the biggest for want, picking up girls and,
1: <laughs> and I didn't want and he used to say to me don't worry that you're not gonna feel that well it's like calluses on your hand that you're not gonna feel that and it doesn't look like anything but I just I don't know that turned. It was probably wrong, but that turned me off to wanting to play uh, the trombone. I wish I'd, I'd learned to play sax. I always loved sax. Yeah. But um, yeah, the tr- so he did try that. But I heard the typical, if you're not going to take lessons, you're not going to get drums, you know. And I had yeah. my little practice pad. And That's good right motivation. Up- motivation. <laughs> right. And then right up the block where I lived, I went to lessons, but it was to a music teacher, not necessarily a drum teacher, oh. which was good. I was gonna but say, actually, maybe time, that's better, right? Yeah. Well, yes, but at the time I didn't appreciate that. I wanted mm-hmm. to play on drums, and right. I wanted to learn, you know, songs. I didn't want to sit and play with a little pad and learn all the notes, and you know. So I did do it. I did do it for a while. Mister Gordon, I'll never forget his name. Um, and then, uh, you know, basically from there, I just wanted to play along along to records. And you know, he used to come down, and he used to hang out. You know, he would he 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 worked. Uh, downstairs as well um Ah. he was like he was his real job as a camera technician for pentax when pentax cameras was that was at its peak so he was one of the main guys at pentax um and then um he also taught himself to be a jeweler so he actually was a jeweler so he used to stay he used to have his workshop set up in the back of the the basement and i would be in the front of the basement blasting music and he'd be in the back (laughs) of this little intricate you know wa- fixing watches trying and to he, focus yeah and, and, and how he That's did funny. that i i have no i i god bless him i mean well, I, he loved you yeah 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 he, he and I, and he was listening you know it was like he was listening to the progression and he would at dinner he would say yeah, uh, yeah you know that thing you were doing you were playing a little bit too busy you were doing a little bit too much you know you know so he did you know he did pay attention and he, guided, yeah. he definitely guided me
0: that's awesome you know like it's it's so cool to hear that you had that kind of support i know you mentioned in your bio that you know your grandparents your mom everybody was really supportive which is 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 so important right when you're young and you're trying to trying to learn and trying to create and being drum drums is not always easy to deal with as a family member
1: yeah well <laughs> if my if my dad's father was still alive at uh I don't know if I would have ever played the drums because when he used to live upstairs on the first floor and I would be downstairs and I didn't even have drums yet, but he used to make wine. So I used to take these big barrels that he used to have of wine and he used to not like that because then he had to bring the barrels back, you know, but (laughs) I would set up a, a makeshift drum kit and I would bang on those things, you know. And I guarantee it was. he's like, stop beating of- up my wine. It was, uh, it was, well, not only that, it, it just, the noise alone, I guess he's trying to watch TV or whatever, you know, whatever he's doing upstairs. That's and funny. he would come downstairs with the broom and chase me from <laughs> the basement and tell me that, and then put the wine barrels back, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's
0: almost like, I'm almost seeing like a movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the scene, but you know, how funny. Yeah. So he wasn't, he wasn't for the drums, but, uh, I guess my dad talked him into saying, you know, let him practice, you know, let him play down there, and you know, and yeah. and eventually, you know, he, you know, he was uh, my grandfather, so he was already old, and then he had passed away. But uh,
0: yeah, that's you know, but you have those fun memories. That's <laughs> we all we all have the pots and pans. I mentioned I'm I'm a drummer from way back too. We all have the pots and pans and the grabbing whatever you can grab the drum on and driving everybody crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: uh the the, the makeshift uh, drum drum set, you know. Which, yeah, is, yeah. which is what I tell students to this day. That's why when they say, oh, I don't have drums, I'm like, you don't need drums. Your parents are not going to buy you drums until <laughs> you, that you show them that you can play the drums because drums right. is an expensive And you don't want to buy one drum set and then have to buy another drum set. So wait until you can get a decent and good drum set and show them right. that you're going to stick with it. And then they'll get your drum set, you know, because you could set up pillows. You could, there's a lot of things you could set up. So, yeah and it's you know, it's
0: about it's about just kind of starting out and learning and then learning your basic stuff and which down the road as i'm sure you you know like learning the rudiments all the stuff that's not so much fun it all pays off down the road
1: yeah it does. <laughs> even learning and,
0: like you said learning music you know yeah
1: and you're using your hands you know you yeah. you're gonna play i still play traditional that's how i you know learn so i'm more comfortable i could play both ways i do if i can just slamming but if i'm right. gonna do something any kind of so, you know little flams or little ghost notes that i need with my left hand i i'm still tr- uh, traditional yeah, but you I know lessons you. uh you know i i lessons are a good thing for a certain period of time but i i don't i'm not one on like somebody having to take lessons or being pounded to take lessons right. especially now i mean it's totally different you know yeah YouTube, because the-
0: Right, we were talking about the digital thing, like now you can go on YouTube and you have, you know, Weckle and Kaliuta and you have the best exactly. guys in the world. Yeah, oh, happy. Amazing.
1: Today, as we, uh, as we, um, you just reminded me, as we filmed right. it today, it's Vinnie Calyuta's birthday, so I, I ah. spoke to him this morning, but again, Vince, happy yeah. birthday, and Hal Blaine.
0: Right. We talked about Hal. Yeah. Both, both legends in, in different, different time periods, but still like amazing. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah. No. And, uh, both those guys, you know, both those guys were influences on me. Um, of course, like, like everyone else. And Hal, I mean, I was so fortunate to become such good friends with Hal. Um, at one time, we used to tease my mom too that, you know, he was going to be my dad because, uh, you know, they were they were the same age. And, you know, and, they, yeah. and I used to bring up Hal all the time. And, uh, my mom knew all those songs that Hal played on, even though...
0: I mean, we go. all did, right?
1: Well, yeah, but, but without knowing. <laughs> without so, knowing course, who it was, yeah. You know, like Liberty DeVito always says, everybody says, you know, like, Hal was like 14 of your of your favorite drummers without knowing it, you know?
0: <laughs> That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah, Funny. I grew up, you know, playing along to records. That, that was my big thing, you know, playing. I always wanted to be in a band. I always wanted to have a band. And then I always wanted to be also be a studio musician. I also wanted right. to, and I didn't even know what studio musician meant. I, it just meant to me that that I was, I wanted to be on like every song that was on the radio that I was playing along to. So yeah. in my mind growing up, I just, it, it opened up the doors for me to like every genre of music which was a lesson without knowing that I was getting a lesson. And right. then, you know, exploring what it's like to, to make records and then fortunately in, the band in my band, we did get, you know, a chance to make a couple of albums and recordings. And then I really, really wanted to be a studio musician. Cause then I saw exactly what it was, you know, nowadays it, it, that scene dried up and it doesn't matter because the machines you're playing on top of machines, which we did back then, then it stopped for right. a while. Now it's back. So nobody knows, you know, nobody knows yeah. who, who anybody is on, on any records or anything, you know, you know, nobody And this younger generation, unfortunately they don't, that's not something that they were brought up you know i used to buy albums just to see who played on what
0: yeah you wanted you, know, to rec- you wanted to read the record sleeve yeah, the whole, you know yeah, that was
1: that yeah. was a whole experience sitting down getting the record walking to the record store coming home you know putting the record on reading the credits that
0: was that was and, me uh, getting my kiss records <laughs>
1: back in the day and like
0: opening up Kiss Alive 2 and like seeing that photo right with Peter Yes, No
1: I know for me it was like Made in Japan, Deep Purple. You know it's like once you open that record it was like oh my god it was a whole experience. So you know the younger generation it's a different way and it's not that it's bad or good or wrong or right it's just different you know but I do think eventually they do go back and that's what I hope Modern Drama does for a lot of people. Is we remind people sometimes we hear, oh, you guys do the same people over and over. Well, there's a reason why we do the same people over and over. Those people deserved not to be ever forgotten about.
0: Right. Yeah. And they're, and they're continuing, a lot of those folks that you do are continuing to reinvent themselves, are continuing to create new interesting projects.
1: Exactly. And that's they're, a big still difference, relevant. Right? they're still relevant to this day. So, Yes, we want to do some new new drummers and we always want to turn people on to new drummers. But unfortunately, the music business, you know, the state, I don't want to get into the whole music business uh, thing, but, you know, the state of the music business has been in a bad shape for a while. And now the pandemic just made it completely worse. So there'll be, you know, we'll come back and there'll be things. And maybe this is the time and what we needed to have that time to think about, you know, because let's face it. A a
0: reset in a way. yeah. Yeah
1: in music, because everybody personally now is resetting, you know, they're getting a chance to think about things, whether they want to or not, it's just life, you know, it's teaching you a a quick lesson in life. So, um, hopefully somebody will learn something in the music business. This younger generation will, you know, figure out something because if they don't, it's, it's, I'm not sure. Nobody's sure, you know, where the music business is going to go or what's going to happen to music in, in general. I mean, to me, um, you know, food, music is as important as breathing and food to me, you know. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, music is is very therapeutic, very helpful. I mean, people can't live without music, just like you can't live without food. Yeah, you'll live a little longer, you know, w- without music, you know, that you, you need food, of course. But, you know, I always say it sounds crazy, but like, you know, if, if music is going to be free, then food should be free. I'm not saying yeah. gour- gourmet food. But the, the essentials of what you need every day to survive, well, then that should be free.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of what we were just talking about that before we went on air about um, the situation with the with the, the new technology and kids aren't really used to paying for music. And I mean, it's sort of the same old story that we all know. But um, in a way, it's, you know, YouTube and Spotify, all these outlets have have democratized music making um and it's debatable some people would say for the for for better for worse but uh, you know people have access to great guys like caliuta the jr robinson all these amazing drummers or even old old videos of buddy and those guys so like it's stuff that we i mean even when i was growing up in the 80s like you you know you were lucky if you could find a a, a vhs tape of those guys right
1: right (laughs) no it's really changed i I, I know the the instra uh, hats off to Rob Wallace and, uh, and uh, you know, DCI and Hudson Music for, for yep, starting right. those instructional uh, DVDs and VHSs. And, you know, that was a, a, an amazing, amazing thing to be able to pop in a video of your favorite drummer and then play along. I remember one time I brought my drums up into my living room because I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to, on the big TV and I wanted to play along with it, you know, whatever. And that didn't go over too, too, too well. <laughs> with girlfriends or, or wives or right. anybody, yeah, but, exactly. um, but, but now it's so easy. Everyone just turns on their computer and there you go. You're playing along, you have your headphones on, you put it in your mixer, you, you know, it sounds like you're on the record, especially if you have a, right. a, a, a Roland or a Yamaha kit or, uh, you know, D drum kit, any kind of electronic kit. Um, you know, so there are so many pros and cons, about the whole social media and, and the whole internet, you know, definitely pros and cons. It's helped a lot. I mean, you could take lessons off of anyone now and you know, all you gotta do is press a button. See that, that's the only thing that scares me about the future of the world. We can't have everything be just press a button and, and there it is in certain things. Yes. And it's nice to press a button and have something there, but let's face it. That's not really reality.
0: Yeah. You know, and you want, sometimes you have to work for it to really learn and to really get into it. Right. You have to actually meet with the person in person and do the sweat and get the, the thing.
1: Right. Well, it's, it, it's a thing like uh, the tools, the tools are fantastic. It's how you use all these tools. That's, that's the most important thing. How you are right. going to use the tools back in the day when drum machines came out, you know, everybody got scared and crazy. And, and I was like, Whoa, yeah, people I, were
0: freaking out about the Lindrum and all that. Yeah, yo, drum is never going
1: to work. And all my friends and everybody's going, yeah. oh, my God, we're, we're not going to get calls anymore. And you that were thing. actually,
0: you were a pioneer with, with that. Actually, that's something I want to get into. But you were a pioneer with combining acoustic and electronic drums, right? That was something you got into in New York and the
1: studios and... Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah. E- yes. I mean, I, I did. Um, and it was it was it was a lot behind the scenes, which which was which was fine for me um, because it got me work. And it and and now people are learning about, you know, the records that I did back then. Uh, right. So so it, it, it's it's kind of paying off. But it was my job, you know, and and part of me wanting to be a studio musician when I did start playing after the band had had a couple of albums out and we toured and we did the whole thing, we all went our separate ways for a little bit. And that's when I yeah. started really getting into the studio work. And that was right around the time. This is now we're talking, you know, when, when I was recording with Mantis, which was my band, Right. there were no drum machines. There was no such thing. It was a little rhythm box, you know, that Sly yeah. used and, and uh, Hall & Olds, Jeff Beccaro was using a little bit, but um, there was no drum machines. And uh, you know, real hand claps. We had guys all, all roadies and everybody, you know, doing real hand claps <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And, we'll we'll say, know,
0: we'll say organic, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: And then even, yeah. even, I mean, the tempos on some of those disco songs—they were eleven minutes long. Some of them, and and you know, w- there were no clicks. I didn't even use a click for any of that stuff. So when they were, you know, and they edited all that stuff. Jellybean John, uh, Jellybean Benitez—he that was right. one of his first records that he did, and then he went on to become a superstar. So, um. You know, we, we we had that was our experience and learning. So when when I got into the whole thing of doing studio work and wanted to sound like the drum machine was out now, so I got good at programming. You know, there you go with right. the fingers, just pressing buttons. But there was a big difference between a drummer playing those buttons with his right. fingers, than exactly. just a guitar player or a keyboard player or just anybody who thought, yeah, I could go boom. Ta, boom, ta, boom, boom, yeah. you know so and then it would repeat and play in perfect time just quantize it and and, and you have it done so it was cheating a little bit but it, it also inspired a lot of people to myself included to learn to write songs so yeah. it really taught me i loved it because it was like all of a sudden the drum machine i could get the idea i, I mean there's only so many beats you could play in a pop song anyway so you would get a basic <laughs> yeah. beat, and and if you just play two and four, it, it you know there's your there's your click, and and that pretty much right. goes to any song. So once that was set, I was able to like. Now I didn't have to stay behind the drums and play the same part over and over while my guitar player was somebody who was trying to figure out their part. Play it again. Right. Oh, play it again. Oh, play it again. <laughs> so I loved yeah. the fact that the drum machine was going, and now I could get on and sit in the circle with the with them on acoustic guitars or the piano and start yeah. to actually develop help writing the song.
0: And getting right, getting more into the creative process besides just keeping
1: time exactly. on the record. So, yeah. And then and then when it came to recording. You know, I I used to un, 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 Butch Jones was uh, uh, engineered most of my sessions, and uh, to this day, he's he's still he's still my main recording engineer. And mm-hmm. but back in the day, you know, I I one time I was I was playing around, and I took the, the the top of the shore off. I unscrewed the ball, and I put it up. I hit it, and I noticed it it, it sounded like the bass drum. So mm-hmm. I kind of just I hit it again, and then I took the plug, and I plugged it into the back of the Linn drum machine, and then I put it up against the bass drum inside, because the head was open, Right. and I I laid on top of the pillow, put up against the bass drum, and then when I hit the bass drum, it would trigger the sound of the Linn, so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, and then we even cheated sometimes. Sometimes I did hit the the microphone and, yeah. and, and and it sounded like a bass drum so there are all those it's like whatever of... whatever works it gets you there right <laughs> yeah you're, you're making <laughs> exactly. a record it's a totally different process than playing live. Yeah. and then um from there i i just started to get into the whole drum machine programming drum machines and then i was getting hired for studio work to either program hmm. drum machines play on top of drum machines play right. just snare drum with the drum machine play just hi-hat and cymbals you know Whatever it whatever it called for. And then when the Simmons came out, I was completely, completely blown away. I saw the Thompson mm-hmm. twins and I, I, I wish I have to look up the period. I keep saying this when I do interviews because I, yeah. I want to give that drummer who was playing with them at the time. That Uh, was probably like
0: 84, 84, 85, right? Somewhere in the mid 80s, I guess. Yeah,
1: the early 80s. And I
0: like I like that. And I like that music, like a lot of people bag on that stuff. But I'm like, you know what? It was cool. There was a lot of creative stuff going on.
1: No, to me, ABC and uh, Spandu Ballet, that whole. Right. And then I had a band called True Blue around that period. And our lead singer at the time, uh, Michael, he sounded exactly and looked like the the singer in ABC. So when we met and he was into that scene, my bass player from from Mantis, John Cas. Yeah. We started a band in Mike Riddle, um, called True Blue. And that 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 was our sound. And we almost got a deal. We got offered to go to England and at the time it was just not the right time to make that move. I I just had a, a son and it it just it just wasn't the right time. Um yeah. So we should we missed, should talk a little bit.
0: We should talk a little bit about uh, Mantis uh, with a U, as you pointed out to me, because <laughs> <laughs> um, Mantis actually it was that's an interesting story. So you guys at first it was I think it was called Gypsy, right? That band.
1: Yeah. Well, first we were Uncle Sam. Um, um, my buddy Dennis Rosales was in that band, and uh, Robert Martiri was on bass, and then me and 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 uh, Frankie were in that band, and then that was Uncle Sam, and then John Kaz came into that band our uh, bass player. And then, uh, meet Kaz and, uh, Frankie, who we called D cause his last name was D Cuscenzo. So we started gypsy and then we got, uh, a different guitar player, uh, Jimmy Bradford into the band. And then, uh, from there we, we had a keyboard player. We went through keyboard players, like, <laughs> it was just we, we, i don't know why we just could never find the keyboard player that click yeah. um, and then we got another guitar player Jimmy Mayer and uh, the band started to change a little bit in direction but we were still playing the same type of material and then we started writing songs we were into writing a lot of our, our, our own material and um, that band became mantis and then uh, two years after we were like that was the core band in uh 76. And then in 78, 70, late 77, early 78, we got an offer for a small deal to do dance music and, and play disco.
0: Yeah, Because d- disco was king right then, right? In that that was here. like,
1: that's all, you know. <laughs> Saturday this, Night that, Fever. And all. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, I mean, that was filmed right near my house. I mean, you know, it, it was a great period of time. And we still looked like a, a rock band you know right really you know yeah that's
0: that's the interesting part about that story i think too is because you guys were actually playing pop rock kind of stuff and then i think a um a guy that owned a small label came and saw you you were jamming on what brick house or one of those tunes (laughs) it's a fun it's a fun story actually
1: yeah that was at trudy house um yeah so he he saw us and we would goof off because you know we'd be playing in this club called Trudy Hells at the time in New York at like, you know, two o'clock in the morning, two yeah. people in there, you know, it's like, but the <laughs> club owners, you never know who's watching. You got to do your right. job. It doesn't matter if there's nobody in the club. You never know who's going to walk in. Well, but that's that actually night, true, right? <laughs> absolutely. And that night there we were goofing around because nobody was, you know, there was maybe three people in the club and they were going to leave soon. And it's two o'clock in the morning. And uh, we start going into brick house, at, you know, First, I think we had just played two Zeppelin songs and then we went into Brick House and all of a sudden this gentleman came in, he sat down he heard I think the, the, the end part of the Zeppelin song and then he heard us play Brick House for about a half hour because we figured we just jam now on Brick House yeah, just that having fun really, yeah. yeah, that was a song that we would just jam on it so we were funking it up and then sure enough the club owner came over to yell at us because he wanted to know what, 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 what are we doing? Uh, this is not <laughs> practice time as he would call it. And then after he left, we all kind of, you know, we, we were wise asses from Brooklyn. We kind of like, yeah. you know, okay, whatever, you know, he, he yelled at us. Okay. You know, bad boys. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and funny. then, uh, you know, this gentleman came up to us and he said, uh, boy, I have a small label, uh, a disco label. And, uh, you know, I really like the sound that you guys have. And do you think you could come in and, and do a couple of disco songs? Can you write any disco songs? Do you have disco songs? We had no disco songs. <laughs> and like we disco? said, <laughs> we said, yeah, we, we sure. Do that. We were like, sure, no problem. Cause we figured yeah, we could build a house. <laughs> we're never going to see this guy again. And yeah, sure. He's got a label or whatever, but. you know? So he leaves, you know, and then he keeps contacting us and, we 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 go in, we go into the studio we, you know we always did pre-production back then because yeah. studios cost a lot of money back then.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um so we did our pre-production and we wrote what we thought were disco songs, and they were a little bit heavier, and it's not like we listened to stuff. We heard stuff, I guess, subconsciously, because now when yeah. I hear things that, that was
0: well, that was everywhere back then too. You couldn't yeah. get away from
1: disco so away. subconsciously, yeah. I mean, I was in clubs all the time. So subconsciously, you know, I was hearing that sound, but it's not like, you know, we said, Oh, let's write a song like this. or let's, let's, you know, let's do that. We just, we just wrote what we thought was, was disco and dance music. And it turned out to be a little heavier than anybody else. And we were a band. Everybody else was like a studio project. Right. They're
0: put together. Yeah.
1: Right. We were writing our own songs. We were playing our own songs. We were co-producing our own songs. Um, you know, Butch Jones was engineering. That's how we that's how we met Butch. So we yeah. did our first record. It went out. To Canada made a little bit of noise. Um, we were getting goofed on now because we were a disco band. And <laughs> all, then, your, all your buddies are like, come on? Yeah. And then it was funny because at one time in Brooklyn, there was a, a out on Kings Highway or Quentin Road. There were two clubs on the corner. Was uh oh my God, slipping my mind what it was called. It was a disco, big disco, and the other. Two like half a block down was a a rock and roll club called Zappers. Okay, and uh, this guy Mitch Carduna, who we still talk to today, uh, he used to run and book the rock bands there, and that's how we met him. Oh, Fantasy Island! That was the name of the the disco club on the corner. So <laughs> That's we, a good used, to go into, we used to go. We used to go. into Fantasy Island. All of us, we, <laughs> you know, whatever girls we were hanging out with at the time, yeah. long hair. We stood out like we stood <laughs> out like like you would not believe. Uh, the rock guys. Yeah. And then we would go play at Zappas, and we would play rock. So they would be playing our records and uh, disco records in Fantasy <laughs> Island, and we'd be That's hanging fun. out. People be looking at us, not knowing that that was us, really. And, yeah. uh, you know, everybody thought we were a black group, which we were very proud of. And then we had a gig at Zappers. So we would go over to Zappers and we would play our rock and roll, you know, and we would play our rock and roll.
0: Hey, that's and cool, though, right? You get both sides.
1: We, 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 <laughs> we didn't think it was cool back then, but now, right. yes, now, now it's considered very cool. And you guys so, with
0: Mantis, you actually had some top 10 Billboard hits, right? I mean, like some big couple of really big tunes.
1: Well, yeah, on the disco scene uh, between 78 and 80, um, before disco got, did the whole disco sucks movie came in and got a bad rap. We, we won't had talk three, about that. Yeah, we top 10 da- dance records on the charts and we toured That's Europe. Awesome. We did TV in Europe. I mean, yeah. we became, uh, I became very good friends with Tony Thompson at the time because he was awesome. a rock drummer and he right. was in, I mean, Sheik was way bigger than, than we were. And, um, you know, and we used to, you know, talk sometimes and say, man, everybody thinks with disco drummers, you know. Then, of course, Tony, you know, I I started doing studio work. No,
0: you're you're actually working drummers.
1: (laughs) Well, that was, yeah. But at the time, it was, you didn't think that way. Because there was so much work. Nowadays, you know, even with getting songs into TV and and commercials, and that's all everybody wants now, right? If somebody offered you that back then, it would have been like an insult. You would have said, no way like they wanted us mantis when we reunited, they wanted us to go to vegas they told us we can get you guys gigs in vegas we were like no we're not going to yeah vegas. you know and now
0: <laughs> well i feel we, that
1: way we don't, don't want to do it anymore but we right. began, you know now you want to go to vegas and play so yeah. the time you know the times it's, it's all timing so we yeah. had those three records and then i when i started doing studio work because i was known and working with a lot of people in the dance industry I was still doing all my sessions playing on 12 inches and remixes and playing right. in a DJ booth with uh, Bashiri Johnson and, and Fred Zar and Scotty Blackwell awesome. playing, you know, all the big clubs at the time live on the air to yeah. millions of people, you know, and uh, playing live in the DJ booth. You know, he Scotty had three turntables. I had my uh, uh, some of my pads sometimes, if not buttons. You know, same thing with Bashiri, Fred had his keyboards. So we did that for a while and no one could figure out what those mixes were because Yeah, it was live on it because that was
0: that was cutting edge stuff. I mean, back then, right? That's this is before remixing. This is before all that. Or just the oh, very ab- beginnings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at the time, you know, you're just doing it only because it's fun. You know, and you're out in the clubs. Right. I was out in the clubs anyway. So now it's like it was easier to just you know. And and of course, I was complaining like you know, oh my god, I got I, I would leave my house. Oh, at that's midnight. the old give
0: a give a musician a gig, right? The- yeah, I, I
1: would leave my house. At, I would leave my house at midnight. And then you know, get to the club, you know, uh, you know, to, to, to play from like one to about three, right? That's when it was at its peak, and it was ad live over the radio, you know. And I, I did that for about a year and a half, but of course I complained. I was like, oh, I got to go to the scene <laughs> now. It's like it's like, but I'm so glad that that I did do it. You know, it was yeah yeah. It, it was I, mean, I mean
0: that's I mean that's the thing is you're and you're working right. You're a working musician. That's like the, that's the dream. I mean. It may, sometimes it's not exactly how we envisioned it, but that's okay. As long as you're, you're, you're paying, you're, you're, you know, supporting your family. and
1: Well, the, and that's how it happened with the magazine. You know, it, it, it just became a thing that organically happened. And, um you know, I had no, I hadn't, I never worked in an office in my life. So I had no clue as to, you know, what it was going to be when, when, Ron Spegnardi, the founder of Modern Drummer, I, you know, right. I, was very, I was very good friends. I mean, Modern Drummer used to do a couple of little tiny stories on me once in a while, or they would mention what record I was on, you know, so I was what, in that. What,
0: what, what, I'm sorry, what, what year was Modern Drummer actually founded? It, for me, it just feels like it's always been around, but what, what uh, year did they
1: start? 77. 19, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, 1977. So, um, yeah, I was 20. And, you wow. know, I, I grew up, you know reading modern drama religiously uh, and then i was on it when i was in modern drama um right. and then I, I i i had uh met ron spagnotti um i went to the first modern drama festival um dave had played that i remember that because my wife was pregnant
0: oh, and
1: wow. um we got invited to the uh to the festival excuse me what year was that That was uh, the first modern drama festival. So, uh, no, yeah, so that was, uh, Maddie was born in 88. So it was 87. So 10 years years after the magazine started. Um, So um, uh, Dave played that time. And then I was a guest. Ron had invited me to the festival because I was like, you know, I was on the road and I was, you know, somewhat famous, but not really. Um, So I was invited to the festival and I went. And then uh, I, I, I hit it off with him really well. And we had a really great time backstage. And he used to throw these elaborate thank you parties, you know, after the festival. So uh, he invited me to the to the after party. And, and we became we became f- friends. And he kind of became like a, a, a father figure as we got to know each other because I lost my dad so young. Yeah. And um, he uh, he asked me if I would help at the festivals. They were going to do it. They were going to start to do it every year. Now, of course, that was the first one. No one knew what was going to happen with the festival. So I said, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, no problem, because I knew a lot of the manufacturers. I knew a lot of the artists. Um, So I became the artist liaison and that became my thing uh, for a couple of years. Hmm. And then um, through that, uh, I got closer and closer to Ron and. he asked me uh you know he had told me that he he was diagnosed with cancer and i was devastated because that's what i mm. lost my father to and then yeah. my first thing to him was well what's going to happen to the magazine you know i was concerned about my god he built this legacy and he yeah because he was a real
0: he was a real force with that magazine
1: right Uh no he was he was it, it's all circumstance of of why and how it happened you know he, was, he could have been the drummer in the Four Seasons, but he had phobias, so he didn't want to, you know, that wasn't his thing. So mm-hmm. when he came up with this crazy idea, um, you know, to, to, to do this drum magazine, uh, you know, everybody thought he was out of his mind, but he went ahead and, and just did it. You know, he, he saw his vision and, and he did it. And circumstance, you know, just, it, it just happened. It, it yeah. really just became iconic, became the Bible. You know, I, I still think to this day, you know people say it's uh you know some some people might say well you know it's been around so long it's you know it's it's not it's not hip and cool well you know what's hip and cool i mean when, when you well different-
0: i mean you know the thing about modern drummer and because i i, you know, I we were talking about that before we we started and and i, I mean i have a drumming background but i you know obviously bass player but i've always read modern drummer a I've always- It's actually
1: player. excellent bass player.
0: <laughs> well that's very kind um but the thing about Modern Drummer is that it's not only a great drum magazine, it's a great magazine. It's actually one of the world's, I would say, top musician-related magazines. And that has a lot to do with you and Ron, of course. Um, and I, I mean, the work that you guys do is great. And also spotlighting new new players, the the festivals, all of that. It's just amazing what you've created.
1: Well, okay. thank you. And no, and I can't take, I can't take the, the you know, the, the full responsibility for that um, because that modern drama has always been a team effort, you know, wh- whoever's right. w- working at modern drama, you know, throughout the years, I mean, mostly everybody has been there for, for so many years until recently, because we got a new publisher, things had changed. That may have mm-hmm. to be a part two, you know, uh, cause I, you know, we could stay on for, for, for days, but right. um, gotcha. we, we do have a new publisher. He's got very good ideas. Um, the 18th of February, I don't know when this is going to air, but the 18th of February will be one year that he became publisher. And when okay. he signed, after working out a deal for a whole year, he signed those papers February 18th. And then two weeks later, the pandemic happened. Right. Yeah. So Which changed right everything, now, of course. yeah, it, Modern Drummer is like, you know, the, the, the ball was rolling and now it's like, it's, 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 you know, it's all over the place because he you know he needs to reinvent it. He's, he's a new person coming in, he's letting some people go, he's hiring new people. He's got a big big job on his hands, but he, he has some great ideas. he seems to be doing the best that he can to get it going through this pandemic. Um, he could have gave up you know the pandemic right. would have been a great excuse to give up um, because it's not easy and, and being in print has nothing to do with uh, any magazine, the quality of the magazine or what the magazine. Yeah. You know, it's just the way of the world. This way CDs uh, eventually, you know, took over from vinyl. Now, you know, somebody the, wanted, print, right. somebody the other day wanted me to send them a, a, a song demo of a song we wrote that they might be interested in. They wanted it on a CD i, mean, I, I, we I did not even have a way to play a CD. cd yeah and then somebody said to me cd i don't even have a cd player so it's exactly like, <laughs> so someday <laughs> you know we yeah. it may not be magazine someday but yeah. so what there's going to be other outlets monodrome is always going to be around it's never going to go yeah. away you know so um
0: what's you know, what's your um your your technical uh title at that modern drama? Cause I know you're kind of a man of many hats there, but what's
1: your, oh, what's your my, official? Well, my is fool on the hill or no one. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, so, you know, it's like, <laughs> but, uh, my, my, my official title is editor at large. Um, okay. which, which is, uh, covers a I, lot of bases. I was an editor. Then I was an associate editor. Right. Uh, then I became, uh, one time I, when I started, I was, uh, an advertising assistant, you know, and, uh, you know, it was different steps that I went through. But uh, in 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 the last uh, ten years or so, I've been uh, editor at large, which is uh, you know I had to look it up to see exactly you know what, 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 <laughs> what, what, is what exactly is that. Like, is that good or bad? Does that I mean, mean I more know, money I know or? No, I'm putting on a little bit of weight. Is is that, is that the problem? But yeah,
0: uh, what are they yeah, trying to tell me? Wait.
1: Yeah, it's like, it is, but then when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, this is the perfect job for me because editor at large, if you look it up, it just means that you basically have no boss
0: (laughs) right that's a good job you just contribute
1: contribute what you want to contribute to the magazine and if they go for it they go for it they don't they don't so but you know um i you know i i make light of it but you know it is, a, yeah. it's a team thing, you know, it's, it's no one, it's no one, one person.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, the thing is like, and I, I write for Jazz in Europe Magazine. Um, my editor, Nigel, actually co-produces this show. And uh, like, that is a big job. People don't realize what all has to go into the coordination, the scheduling uh, to put out a magazine. Like what, what's that? I mean, you've been there doing that. What's, what's that like on a monthly basis?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's, 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 you know, people, Nobody thinks about, you know, behind the scenes, you know, what goes on behind right. the scenes. They just see the finished product. Same thing when you're making an album, you know. Um, thankfully because people like you who are interested and care, you know, people get to explain certain of how things are done and everything. But, you know, the magazine, it, it takes a lot, you know, it people call me sometimes, uh, you know, uh, for subscription problems. I I have I don't I have no like idea about, know. It. you know, I that's I, that's not my job. I mean, I have no, you know, I turn them on to the you got to call customer service or whoever, you know, whatever yeah. you got to do. But there's a lot that goes on, you know, with printing and then schedules sure. and then photos and photo shoots. And now we can't do photo shoots because, um, you know, only a few uh, because right. of the pandemic. You know, nobody's on tour. So that's a big part of speaking to somebody about a tour and, and you know, being on tour. So that can't talk about that.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah.
1: No one's releasing records uh in the, in the amount of time, fast time that people are. So it's, it's getting harder and harder to to express yourself and let people know. So, of course, now these kind of formats, you know.
0: Yeah, because now you're also dealing with the digital side. So you've got actually two different jobs ex- going on ex- at the same time.
1: Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it's hard to, you know, for, for, for all, right now, it's, it's it, you know, we're, we're going through reinvention. So there's people leaving, people coming in. So you know that when things get get back to normal, I I mean, I think by time things get back to whatever normal is going to be, yeah. we'll be ready. You know, everything everything should be ready.
0: What's um some of your your highlights working with modern drummer? I know you've actually become friends with some some people that you admire. One of them was was Ringo. Um, how has that been for you? I must that must be almost like a childhood. <laughs> dream to meet your your inspiration, well, right? Yeah,
1: and, and and the funny thing is, uh, my job in modern drama had actually nothing to to do because I met Ringo before I worked at modern drama. Ah, oh, okay, cool. So um, I got to know him more, um, of course, through modern drama because um, I David Fishoff at the time who w- runs the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp,
0: right? Which um, is great. Those are great.
1: Absolutely. Um uh, and I've been involved in that for for almost as long as I, I've been involved with, with modern drama. Um so um he started the All-Stars and put together Ringo and the All-Stars. That was his concept and his idea that he approached Ringo with, and it's really it made Ringo's, you know, it made Ringo become well, yeah, he, it, he it deserved, him he,
0: in a way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he deserved to be Ringo. Um, but that definitely helped. And uh when i would i went to a i had already met ringo a few times before the first time i met him was he hosted saturday night live oh, okay. um a girl that i was uh, living with at the time in, in new york worked for mtv uh maria thank you maria and um <laughs> you know we were living together and she got me uh backstage uh, as a surprise uh to go to the ringo saturday awesome. night live and watch yeah in the little you know room and and then I got to say hello to him after the show but as I was shaking this is funny you know I don't say this too often but uh, as I was shaking his hand and saying hello and just you know thanking him you know right. and, and he was hysterical on the show the show was unbelievable yeah. some, some, he's some he's, he's a fun fun guy uh, like, he's 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 he's, he has he's a great so, sense of humor and, He's so yeah. cool so as I'm shaking his hand and I, and I nod to Bob and I say it's nice to meet you I turned my head and Jamie Lee Curtis was standing <laughs> And I'm shaking his hand, but I'm looking at Jamie like, Lee. Yeah, because back Jamie, in the day, i like, "Wow, yeah, Jamie Lee! Yeah, this is like you know, Jamie Lee Curtis at that time was you know on the cover of Rolling Stone, and, right? Like, Exercising, you know, and she was yeah, in movies yeah. and she looked very, very good. I didn't realize at the time she was starting to date Christopher Guest, who she's still married to 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 this day. So uh, okay. that's why she was backstage, but. I was shaking Ringo's hand and it was great to meet him, to touch his hand and, you know me. <laughs> but I was also, I don't know who was exciting me more, Ringo or, or, or you How know, funny. or Jamie Lee. But, um, so that's, that's when I first met him. And of course, you know, he wouldn't remember that. He wouldn't know that, you know. So yeah, the yeah. second time that I did meet him, I had told him that story. And I guess it kind of, he thought it was funny. And, uh, you know, but he didn't know my name for years. He used to call me drummer boy. Or he used to call me uh, Mister Rock and Roll, or he, you know. <laughs> well, um, he
0: yeah, he and He meets so many people, but oh, it's great my that he. God, no, I it, know, it, yeah,
1: it, yeah. So it, it took it took years and years, and then as I as I, I was working with uh, with David Fishoff, um, you know, we would do more and more stuff, and then of course, yeah. you know, I, I just got to know Ringo more and more, and then Elizabeth Freud, who um, you know, we don't want everybody. I, I hate to say a name sometimes because then everybody, you know bombards her with, with calls. But, um, you know, she was very instrumental in, in me becoming friends with, with Ringo. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I love Elizabeth and I, I thank her for that so much. Yeah. Um, her and David, you know, they were both very instrumental in, in, in me, me and Ringo. But that, did you know, it just me and him kind of just it became more than just now me from the, the magazine
0: right because you know, you, you've it, actually you sat in with the band and you've you've you done a number of times right with this all-star band
1: and... yeah yeah I, I was fortunate enough uh, to sit in two times with the band um and the all-stars which you know i tease yeah, I, I, I teased i love i teased ring i, teased Ringo, I you know i tease him about that too after the first time i did it he was like pretty cool to play with me right and i was like <laughs> yes absolutely it's like a, i was like i can't believe it even happened i said but how one green and you know and then yeah. I'm naming everybody else that's on the stage. And he was it's like, crazy. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. It's crazy. I, I used to play with Billy Preston. I know he did that for quite a while too. And
1: yeah, and, Billy uh, was, yeah, Billy was on, yeah. on, on that. I mean, Billy, even with George back in the day. I know. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Billy. I lo- and, I love and that Billy. was the first Billy Preston. My son's first concert at five years old was radio city. Ringo Starr and the all-stars. And the drum tech Audie uh, Smith was one of the drum techs. And of course, Jeff Chonis, um, yeah. he got me one stick of Zach, because Zach was playing in the, in the band at the time. And one stick of Ringo, which happened to be yeah. a prototype of his Promark stick. The, the is it's, uh, I got to look, I have the blue one and then it came out red. Now, now he's not a yeah. uh, promo anymore, but he got one in one stick. And, um, Ringo was already gone. So, uh, we met billy preston that night yeah and billy came over and we didn't you know we didn't take pictures you know this is 19 like in the early 90s so yeah it wasn't it's, it's like
0: awkward we, you're like hey let's take a, let's well, take yeah, a photo well, we would
1: have, you know if it was like yeah. these days where everybody just picks right pick has got a phone, phone yeah. and, you know, exactly a yeah. you know that's a different story but He was he was hugging Maddie and you know he was Mm -hmm. talking to Maddie and Maddie told him that you know he was there to see Ringo and you know he loved the Beatles and at one time he thought the Beatles were his uncles. Because <laughs> uh, in, in my in my hallway, you know, as I have these the white album in frames, you know, big, sure. you know yeah. the and of them in my hallway, when you go out and then go downstairs. So when we used to, when he used to be in my arms, I used to go Uncle John, Uncle George, Uncle Paul, Uncle Ringo. <laughs> and then we go down, and then we come That's when we come home, we come up, Uncle Ringo, Uncle George. You know, we go, and then yeah. after a while, I, I I'd go, who's this when we walk by, and he go, Uncle John. And then I go, who's this? Oh, Uncle Ringo. Oh, who's his uncle? So, and I, I you know, I had told, <laughs> I had told Ringo this story, uh, you know, not that long ago, but at one point, um, so he just thought th- th- that those guys were his uncles. Yeah. So, he's like, Hey,
0: this family. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then at one time he, he's, he's, he's playing with his friends out in the street and they come running in and they, they run by and they knew that I played music, you know, as, yeah. his friends all knew and, and Maddie was just starting to really have an interest. I mean, he, at five years old, there's a video of him playing a Beatles song. You know, it's nowadays everybody you know plays, but back then it was a little bit rare. Um, and he's playing. You know, I saw her standing there. I, I used to let him just play, and you know, that's how we started. But yeah. his friend came in one day, and and they're running in the hall. The doors open, and they run by. And as the ki- the kids running by, he goes, "Hey, is that your father's band?" And, and Maddie goes, no, those are my uncles. <laughs> and he just runs into his room. And, I, and then the light went off in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to let him realize that. I, know. Those I should are probably explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so the day that I Let's got go to visit Uncle Paul. <laughs> yeah. So the day that I got to, to, to introduce him and his wife to, to Ringo after I would met Ringo so many times. But the day yeah. that I was able to introduce Maddie now, who was an, an adult um, to Ringo. And see them talking to each other, and and, and you know, and as a dad, you know, yeah, a musician, how cool. Right. It, it was just, oh my God, it was, you know, there's nothing like a beetle. I mean, you yeah. know, I met so yeah. many people in my life, and you know, I don't really get starstruck. I met John Lennon, uh, Paul, you know, I just waved to and waved back. Um, George, I almost got to meet, I was actually at Soundcheck, and uh, uh something had happened and uh it, it didn't work out um and then of course Ringo so I mean yeah. I've met so many people there's only a few people left that that I really would like to meet um you know while they're still here but right. I, I very rarely got starstruck you know I never I never got starstruck I never asked for an autograph ever in my life I've only been I have a, I think maybe three or four and they were all given to me so I I never you know I was never starstruck i you know, people used to say, people say, well, man, like that night after playing with Ringo, my life, you know, I'm I'm the same person. And then all of a sudden the next day, everybody's looking at me like a completely different way. Besides the hundreds of texts and phone calls I get saying, congrats, this this is a dream come true. Oh, my God, this is great. Can you introduce me to Ringo? Can you get me tickets for Ringo's show? (laughs) Can you give this to Ringo? I'm like... Oh my yeah. God. And then all of a sudden people are starting to pay attention a little bit more. They want to interview me. You know, they, they want to talk. I guess they Google me. They, they find out, you know, cause even at modern drummer, there's a, a, a fine line to walk where I don't want, right. I don't, I never pushed my career. Like I don't, some of the younger generation, I would never even tell them, you know, they knew yeah. I played drums, but I wouldn't tell them that I played on hit records. And I, you know, and I, I you know, I did the whole thing yeah. unless they asked or they knew. You know, well, that's the you know
0: that's the interview thing too because like for me I, it's not about me it's about the person I'm interviewing and like you said like that almost becomes a distraction if they know your background <laughs> in
1: a way well yeah and, and you know and it becomes a phone call nowadays though because we're doing it like this and a lot of people are doing right. it this way it, it comes in handy because it, it's nice when people do their homework and thank you for doing your homework um because a lot of people don't you know and yeah a lot of people, you know, before this pandemic, I know I know we're like all over the board, but I okay. mean before this pandemic, it was get off social media, get off your phone, get out, play with other musicians, go to right. concerts learn that younger generation is not getting people skills. They're not learning how to communicate. See, I'm talking with my hands like an Italian, but they're <laughs> not they're not. Communicating, they don't know how to how to talk to people. They don't know how to play with other musicians. They know how to play these a million notes to Slipknot or all these bands. Yeah, and they get a million views, and that's all well and good. But there's no money. uh That they get pigeonholed into a certain thing. They're not learning how to
0: function in a band, which is important, right?
1: And it's right. It's it's good. Like I said, everything is a tool, and how you use that tool is what's important. So, you know now it's all of a sudden the pandemic happens and now we're forced into don't go out don't go to any shows can't go to any right. shows can't play around up, can't play with other people just stay home send tracks to each other everybody yeah. stay on social media just talk so then all of a sudden <laughs> everybody's a blogger yeah. everybody's a, got a, a podcast show <laughs> everybody like everybody's coming like every and then they realize oh this is this is this is hard this is this is not yeah. that easy you know or people call me nonstop asking me for contact information. Hey, I'd like to interview so and so. I know you're friends with them. Uh, can you pass their information on? Uh, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> your can't. own work.
1: You know, <laughs> I I, 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 yeah. I can't because we just covered them in modern drama. And if you have more, you know, no, yeah. cool and publicity and you're going to get them in front of more eyes than modern drama. Absolutely. I will turn them on to you, but you know, I can't help you become, you know,
0: yeah, you got to do the work yourself. You want to
1: start talking to, you know, famous people. So it's all down to how you use tools. That
0: actually brings us to an interesting thing because what, what what would be your advice? um, Well, young musicians, but then also people that want to get into being a music journalist, which is a very specific kind of thing Like what what's your thoughts on that And what's your, your advice to, to young people Okay
1: well now here's something that's going to cause A lot of controversy That's that's why I
0: asked the question <laughs> No it's not but I'm
1: kidding I uh, I don't consider myself a journalist Or a critic um, I, I even get annoyed When people call me now Someone in a suit You know right. back in the day that meant you know you worked on the other side in the record company, you know, uh, I am 100% a music lover and a musician. And I write for a magazine that happens to be, that's the outlet for it. Um, but I am not a journalist and I get in trouble all the time, even with some of my fellow journalists, because, um, you know, they are journalists. They went to journalism school, you know. Right. And, you know, but I didn't go to journalism school. Um, uh, I'll say for the first time ever in my life in an interview, I didn't even graduate high school. Yeah. Because I was on the road. You know? Yeah, I get uh, and, it. I was uh, in I I, I, the
0: same thing. Same thing.
1: My, my last year of high school, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was on the road. I mean, that's, that's what I was going to do. And my school was being on the road. My school was becoming a musician. My school was recording, learning, hanging out with people that I admired and loved and watched them make records and learn from them and take lessons. I took lessons with Bernard Purdy. Um, You know, I took lessons without even knowing I was taking lessons with so many people because I would be hanging out with them at soundcheck. And then they would play, I would play. They would tell me, you know, hit the drums while I go listen. So um, I'm not... I'm not what you would call a critic or, you know, and critics, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have bastard critics, but.
0: Yeah, because they have, everybody has a place, a role to play. right?
1: And it's your opinion. You know, yeah. I don't, uh, critics sometimes could, could really destroy a, a movie or a band, it's it, food, you know, it, it's just, it's your opinion. And certain guys that can come off as good critics uh, and not use their own personal taste or make it that it's, it's their way or, or no way. It's, you know, that's, that's their word. Oh, this, this record sucks. No, this record, you know, Yeah. It's your, like you said, it's your opinion. don't like it, you know, for whatever reason. Um, So I was never into the whole critic thing. Um, And then as far as, you know, a journalist, uh, yeah. I mean, I, English was my favorite subject in school, thankfully. And, um, you know, I, I write lyrics, you know, and I write songs, so I'm able to, to, you know, somewhat write. But, you know, I still need a copy editor. And, and even the right. greatest writers in the world need copy editors and you need another exactly. set of eyes. Just like yep. when you're mixing, you need another set of ears. Um, yep. I like to write as if I'm speaking. You know, uh, I don't know if that's a, a Brooklyn thing or, or, you know, it's just that. And I've been complimented by people who wrote books and, and you know, yep. on, on my writing. Which surprises me, but you know, I but I wouldn't call I wouldn't call myself a journalist. But
0: Don't. you know what that is, but I, what that is, Billy, is that that's a big reason why I think Modern Drummer has been so successful is because it's from real players. Guys are actually out there doing it, not somebody who's went to journalism school necessarily. That's telling you their their thought about it. You lived it. You've been there, so you know what guys care about and what they want to what they want to know about.
1: Right. Right. Well, thank you. And that and that's you know that's that's what helped you know, that's, that's why I got the job. That's how I, you know, I stayed where I was, you know, I, I never, my intention at modern drum, I didn't know if I was going to like it. I never worked in an, in an office and it was far. Right. You know, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, an hour commute if there was no traffic, because they were in Jersey and I'm in Brooklyn. Um, and I did that for 15 years. And then it went from three days just to try it out to four days. And then five years after Ron took me under his wing and, and taught me, you know, the business of the magazine running the magazine he, he yeah. passed away and then yeah. I had 15 years without him um and you know I had no idea I knew I wasn't going to go back on the road but I still wanted to play music but I I kind of liked I, I it just worked out that I kind of liked what I was doing yeah and you uh, got a family right you, it yeah. kept it, it kept me in the business um I was still able to do music Um, so it, 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 just, it just, it worked out, you know, it just worked out, but, uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't schooled as a journalist and I didn't start that job till I was 40 years old. So, you know. Yeah, at 40 years but old. But you had, but you had
0: a lot of, lot of good life experience and you knew, you know, you know what, you know what, what drummers want to know, you know what, what musicians want to know about, well, that's important,
1: and, doing and, a and, magazine. And then, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and getting older and, and, and knowing so many people from the time I was on the road and was a kid, I became friends with a lot of people before I even got to the magazine. And that sure. was one of the things that Ron used to really like. He used to bring me in to, to, um, to the editors meetings. And he would want me to sit in and just listen. And then, you know, I always had somebody, I was friends with somebody that Modern Drummer was trying to get in touch with. So I was able to get in touch with a lot of people without going through a publicist, without going through a manager, yeah. just to say, hey, uh, Modern Drummer wants to do a story on you. And a lot of a lot of times they these bands were already superstars. They didn't need us, you know.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So
1: we just wanted to give them publicity because let's face it. Everyone likes publicity, especially drummers, because they're always stuck yeah. in the background. Because they never but, get
0: the, usually don't get unless you're Neil. Yeah, part. You
1: know, so <laughs> so of course <laughs> you know drummers you yeah. tell them like, right, "Uh, I just need an hour on the phone." Then you're on the phone for three hours, and it's like, "Oh yeah, my yeah. god!" <laughs> but um, you know, so it, it all just organically happened. But back to your question, I'm sorry to drift, but that's okay. back, back to your question, um, the advice that I would have is, you don't have to be a journalist. It's it's unfortunately. You know, it's according to what you're writing, of course. You know, but if you're writing about something that you know and you're passionate about, you, you, you just do it. You just write it. You know, you yeah. still. A, everybody needs a copy editor. So if anybody out there wants to write a story for somebody, all they have to do is write it and send it in. It's going to go through. It's going to. I mean, if it's you know constantly spelled wrong and you know yeah caps where there's not supposed to be caps on you know know your thing know what that songs are in quotes and album covers are yeah. and have, you know. have your details your dates right, your names. Right. Yeah, and then people you know that that's just format and um but there's no reason why you can't express yourself and you can't you know nowadays it's all video so people do a lot of talking so right. they're not writing as much and that's going to become a problem down the line too because people are is going to be a different way of writing. So that whole yeah. journalism thing that you're learning properly how to speak or properly how to—it's to all changing. Write, yeah, it, that that's going. You know, that's it's not like that anymore. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, that was that was my thing it. for
0: for jazz in Europe because I actually, I mean, you know, my writing thing like you, like my writing thing. Um, I, you know, we all studied it in school, but my technical writing aspect has not been my strength. But I love doing interviews and I love the video thing. Is is just a new avenue and honestly the reach right i mean we have our music pages we have like 7 million followers on the music pages and that's just hard to get that kind of a reach with with traditional print exactly. um, which is which has led you guys to also really have the digital outlet as well which is going really strong for you guys too
1: i think and the timing you right. see in a magazine in print there's a production schedule and there's timing you know and you have to be a couple of months ahead to get that scheduled so that when it goes hits the printer it's printed it goes to subscribers it goes on the newsstands you know all that's changing it's not going in that flow anymore right bookstores are closing down um music stores are closing down you know everything is online you know ordering i mean amazon is like you know they like everybody says they make you know not to make light of it but they should have them deliver the vaccines and it'll get done because yeah. i mean you know you you could order something i could pick up the phone and order something right now it'll be here tomorrow it's it's, it's insane. yeah it's
0: it's it's right it's a whole different
1: world for sure yeah it's a complete it's 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 completely different but you know as long as the information's out there sometimes though like with music there's just the opportunity to do it now so easy it's it, it's hard to like weed through and find like the, the real nuggets. gems and the real right. gold yeah yeah. So that, that um, that's making it a little bit more difficult. And that's where I'm <laughs> saying like the kids nowadays, the, the younger generation, and uh, no, I'm not an old man. I don't want to hear you <laughs> say it sound like an old man, but you know, <laughs> they want to just press a button. And if it doesn't happen, their attention span is like, oh, no, nah, next.
0: Yeah. That's
1: yeah, they not, got that the 30, you know,
0: 30, 40 seconds and then they're on. Yeah, they're and, on. And yeah. Until
1: somebody's able to put a chip in your head and control you, which we don't ever want to see happen. Right. That's not the way of the. That's not the way of the world. You gotta have empathy. You gotta have compassion, and you only get that from being interactive with people. You know, yeah. you have to. You. you I wasn't taught. I, I, in a way, I was because my mom was very outgoing. My dad was a little bit more quiet. He said very little, but when he said something, it was very powerful. Yeah. My mom was like, you know, they used to call her the mayor of the neighborhood, and you know, my, my mom knew everybody. My mom talked to everyone, so I guess. When she was with me in the store or walking with me, you know, and I, I just saw her being friendly to everybody and, you know, talking to everyone yeah. and anyone, you know, so that just became my, you learn personal, that, right. my personality. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I never intended ever to be the face of modern drama. Like sometimes they'll say, oh, well, you're, you're the face of the magazine, you know, and sometimes I get resentment for that. Sometimes I get praised for that. Sometimes I get blamed for that, you know, uh, that, <laughs> That, that was never my intention. You know, right. it's, it's not my magazine. People yell at me sometimes, you know, like it's my magazine because they're not on the cover. They haven't been on the cover in X amount of years or whatever. I it's not just up to me. It's not, you know, my. Yeah, it's a team, say, right? It's yeah. not my magazine. You know, it's not my magazine. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's. It's, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, but I, it's I think, I think that that's, great, that's great to
0: point that out that actually it's a team. Like it's not just you making the decisions, right. It's, it's a, it's no, it takes a mean, huge team.
1: Right? We all suggest things and we all, you know, and, and, and now with uh, David Frangioni, who's our, our new, our new publisher, you know, he's been a drummer his whole life. He, he grew up reading modern drama religiously. Awesome. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he has some good ideas. I, I can't, I know David a long time. Um, uh, I'm the one who, who actually got, brought him in to, to speak with, with uh, the spagnardis and, and, and actually finalize the deal and make the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I can't, we don't know exactly what's going on yet because um, it's, uh, sorry. That's we good. don't know exactly what, what, what's, what's going on yet because of the pandemic. So I right. tease him I tease him all the time. I'm like, well, first I wanted to make sure that he was going to, you know, he bought this thing and he had all these plans and then the poor guy you know got knocked right right down because of sure. the pandemic. So I tease him all the time. I don't know exactly 100% if he knows what he's doing yet i tell him all the time because <laughs> we, he hasn't had a chance to do anything yet yeah but, it takes time but, to learn too but the little that he's that he has been doing i already see improvements you know some things we you know we still disagree on which is that's like yeah. being in a band you know, I, I always yeah. say the editors were always like being in a band when you're in an edit meeting it's, it's like being in a band. Everybody wants their song, you know. Yeah. Like I'm Ringo.
0: Who's going to be Paul? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I want my story to go first. No, my right. song. No, you know, my yeah. story, my song. That's know? good though. So, you
0: need that, right? You need the competition. Yeah, that's, a little well, bit that's and, how,
1: yeah. that's how it works. That's how it becomes yeah. a team, team effort. But, um, you know, he's got a lot of challenges and, 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 you know, and he, so far it seems to be, there's some things we still you know disagree on, you know, which is going to be normal. And, right. uh, no one's right or wrong until it's done and it works or it don't work. Yeah. So there's been some things though that he's been doing and implementing that have been, uh, you know, pretty successful and moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it's like you said, things have changed in the digital world, so it's sort of it's good to have new blood and and people that are are motivated to to change because not not everybody is. So that's, that's it's hard
1: and change is hard. You know, yeah. no no one likes change. Everyone gets into a routine, but. You do have to re- even as an artist, you know, you have to reinvent yourself every couple of years. Right. You know, That's because you know otherwise, you know, it's just it, it just becomes the same. And then people are like, yeah, I've seen that. I've heard that, you know, so yeah. you have to you have to reinvent yourself.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Billy. I, I, you know, I, I know this is, we were talking about this beforehand that you're not, it's not your comfort zone necessarily being on this side of things because you're used to be yeah, on the other it, side.
1: It, it, it's odd. I always, you know, even when people come up and actually sign something like a drum head or something, <laughs> yeah. I, I always think they're goofing on me and I always think they're fooling around and then they, <laughs> they really sincerely want me to autograph something. And, you know, and I, I say the same thing all the time, you know, it's only going to bring the value down. So it, I don't know how I, you know, having me on your show, I really appreciate it. And, uh, well, I think there's there's a
0: lot of a lot of interest and, and modern drummer is a great magazine. You've created a great legacy along with with with, um, with Ron, your mentor. And and I think it's it's awesome to see. I'm excited to see what you guys do moving forward. And I know there's a lot of changes coming, but um, I'm excited to see the digital end of it and, and the print is still as great as it's always been. Um yeah, thank you well, so much.
1: one thing I will say is you, you should everyone out there uh, You should subscribe because subscriptions, um, you know, you're going to get the most for your money and you're going to get a digital edition, a a magazine, if you still like the magazine, or you can get either, or you can get both. And then there's a lot of things that, you know, extras that you can get by subscribing. So stop writing on Facebook and asking questions and like, you know, complaining that, you know, we all know the mail system has been a little screwy. Um, so some people are not getting the magazine like right away. Um, and then some people get it sooner than they ever got it. So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on when the world comes back to normal. You know, if you are a believer and supporter of modern drama, the best way you can support and get all your information and get everything you need is to go to the modern drama page and subscribe.
0: Yeah. And what's, what's, the, what's, what's the actual web? What's the website? Uh,
1: the web? Well, it's just modern dot com.
0: But, right, I easy. Mean,
1: yeah, you know, and then, yeah, right at the top, I think um, there's a subscribe button that you hit and it gives you all the packages and everything. And it's fair. You know, um, we just did the festival for Neil, you know, which was right. we raised a lot of money for Neil's charity, which was a great thing. And, and that came yeah. off really well. Um, so, you know, there's things for drummers that, you know, we're still here. You know, we still want to give you all the knowledge and everything that we could possibly give you about drums and drumming and beyond, you know, there's, there's more than just drums and drumming these days. There's songwriting, you know, there's, there's playing. It's not all about just playing for the chops. All that stuff is great and it's good exercise and it's good to know. But then, like I said, that's, if you want to take anything, you want to squash this whole interview and just say that one line tools, it's how you use all these tools that we are given. You know, right. We're given so many tool- tools with social media, with YouTube, with the advantages of getting to everybody to make your own CD, to be able to film stuff. I mean, I I I, I see some of these kids' videos that oh my god, if I can make a production like that, I can't even make a production like that now. You I know, know yeah, it's navigation. crazy. Yeah. They have you know, they they make these, you know, what's available to them, and, and it's and it's not expensive to, to buy all this equipment and you know, set up a studio and and you know. Do your thing. We just have to all figure out a way that we can all get reimbursed and paid for the, if if it costs nothing to make music, then absolutely music should be free. Absolutely. 100%. If it's not costing that artist or or anyone a penny to make a record or to put out a song or or to, or to, to be involved, then yes, music should be for free. But that's not the case. Yeah. And it you costs... also have years
0: of years of practice and, and also all that stuff.
1: Right? Yeah. The talent. I mean, you got to have the talent, of course, but yeah. to put it all out and, and, and do it, it's like, you know, that's, that's when the work starts. Right. So, you know, you gotta, it's all, it's all the tools, you know, same thing with, when MIDI came out and, and, you know, and any, anything, you know, pro tools and, 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 and it, any kind of, uh, you know, recording equipment and, 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 and whatever you need is if everything is a tool so just please the younger generation just pay attention to how you use that tool it's a tool like you use a hammer to, to to put the nail in you know you might use the hammer to take the nail out right use any tool that's given to you think about how and why you're using that tool.
0: yeah communication and, and the music's the most important thing right the song yeah ultimately i mean um well thank we, you so much you're welcome. And we're going to include all your information, um, contact information for Modern Drummer and all that um, on the podcast description. And uh, thank you so much, Billy. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank and, you. Uh,
0: yeah, this will be out uh, coming out in the next uh, week or so, two weeks. Yeah,
1: just just, le- just let me know. I will definitely let you know. And hopefully,
0: yeah, we'll get together and, and, and trade in some tracks. Person, and play.
1: Yes, I, Absolutely. I, I, love, yeah. I told you, I, I uh, one of the reasons why I did agree to do this is I, I watched a couple of videos of you playing bass. So I, oh, I wow. you're an excellent bass player. You're my kind of bass player. And <laughs> then you. when you told me that you started on drums, I can see we spoke about that, you know, the Larry Graham with the the, 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 yeah. the thumping of the, you know, popping of the bass, the funk for me is always, that's, that's for any drummer, that's.
0: Yeah, you, know, you got to love, you got to give love to, to Larry. <laughs>
1: he's yeah. was nah, an original, it, all those it, guys. great, man. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, uh, Daryl. And uh, please, everyone, stay safe.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Billy. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.